Welcome to the Yeshiva Shalmaila. This is David Lichtenstein. Two weeks ago, we had a program about AI, and our question was, if at some futuristic date, AI was perfected and you had the ability to paskin Shilas or to answer Shilas, would it halachically be allowed to paskin or not? What was our question? In Chayshin Mishpat, Hilchaz Dayanim and Simon Zion, it says you need a Gavra, a human, just like Adas, for Dayanis to paskin, but in Arachayim and in Yeridea, we don't find such a halacha. So if a computer was really smart, just like a cotton could paskin, an Arachayim in Yeridea or Isha could paskin, would a computer be able to paskin? We had on a number of Rabbanim and we had very different opinions. Here's great Paisik Rabdav. No, no, I'll tell you why. There's no such thing as, look how hard it is for the Gemara, when the Gemara may name the ones who find the Halach of Sukkah. So today, even those are today not a Halach of Sukkah. So in other words, when you ask a Balhiro and he paskins, I don't care who argues, if he's your Balhiro, you're doing his Psak. That thing, and those, the Bikiyas, you can, a computer can be, have the same. Kiyas as a goddle. That's not the thing, but it's got a raw. So if there are people, if a computer paskins and they're machlakes, and you have no right to say, Clara is and that's my psak. And here, exactly opposite opinion is Drash Shiva, Rabbi Sulachan, and Hagoyan, and Perishal Shechta. No, I don't think so. There's no din you need a person. This week, we have a different question. There were a number of kol that came out that said, you're not allowed to be mishtamish with AI, you can't use AI, it's goyrim to avoid zara, gilei arayis, etc., kfira. And we didn't understand, we wanted somebody to explain to us the kol So we, let's go to the experts. So we went to Rabbi Yossi Strickman. He's the CEO of Project Trust. And all they do, all he does basically is work with people who've been impacted by the internet. And we asked him, one of the people behind the Kolkaira, who would support the Kolkaira, explained to us the dangers of AI. In Toronto, we went to Rabbi Mordechai Torchener, he's Dresh Koyal in Toronto, who's written and spoken about this topic. And then we went to Rabbi Yaakov Nadel, he's the founder of Guard Your Eyes Foundation, which is the great organization whose purpose is to keep people away from the dangers of the internet, from schmutz, etc. So here we have three experts who will explain how dangerous AI is, what it can do for you, should we be answering it, etc. Should make for a fascinating discussion. I have a particular interest in this topic. Around three years ago, I was invited to uh, had lunch with uh, Bill Gates and a few other people. And I asked him, I said, uh, if you were starting over again in life, you were 22, Microsoft wasn't yours, it was already a joint corporation, what would you do? And he said, without a blinking, he said, I would go into AI. He said, it's going to change the world. And I thought that was very fascinating. Because of that, I actually took a course in MIT in AI, and uh, which was also interesting. So, you know, that was three years ago, and it's come a long way. And um, it's obviously going to do great things, but also be very dangerous. I'll give you an example of how dangerous it could be. AI could mimic a voice. If you give it a, a voice, a piece of, uh, uh, I'm not sure how many notes you need of a person's voice. And there are actually programs like this. And then you type in a speech or, or a sentence. It'll make, it'll repeat that sentence from that person, and it'll sound exactly like like the person. So for example, where is this Nagea? In our company, we have a, a, a requirement that if you ever get an email to wire money to the wire department, they have to 
make a voice call to check it because it's very easy to fake email addresses and somebody will send an email, hi, send me a hundred thousand and it's signed by, you know, somebody of authority and it really wasn't. So we double check it by voice. Well, what happens if that person gets a voice call from the mimicked voice of the person who has that authority? So that's a danger. On the other hand, I sat with um, the head of radiology for Northwell and he said that um, he has, he said he has hundreds of radiologists who work for him and he says AI is better than 99% of them at picking up, um, reading an x-ray and defining it. And it's, he's using it to find cancers or to clean. So we see the great power of AI. So th- this is really a fascinating discussion. Should AI be us or not? We have these rabbanim. I'd love to hear your opinion afterwards. Before we go to our show, I like to always say is Vartaira. You know, I learned in Eretz Yisrael for many years when I was a Bacha and when I was a younger man. And you had Kanoim there. You know, we would, you know, scream Shabbos and et cetera, Hafganis, et cetera. And the Makoir of it was always Pinchas. You see that he was Kanayas Kinasi and he was Zoycha, his Brissi Shalom. To this year, I have a Aragadaila that I really don't know the answer to, but it would lead me in a different direction. And what is that? You know, the, the Rambam in the uh, Igeris Hashmad uh, was addressing a, a frightful problem. There were Arab nations in his lifetime. I think they were called the uh, fanatical uh, Muslims. They were called the Almohads, that they captured Morocco and they and many areas of Spain. And they said, you know, if you convert or you die. And many Jews could have weren't Ahmed bin Hussein and they became Moranos. And he... There was a Rav who basically took a position that if you're a, a Murano and you uh, you compromised, you're not a Jew. You're not. A, you lost your shame. You you, you know, Murano is not a Jew anymore. He, he was he was you know over on uh, Yerig Valyaver and he was over in Yerig and you know, basically he's not a Jew. And the Rambam in Yigeres Hashmad really has a very forceful response to this person, and he bases it on a number of Chazals among other things. One of his, he, he talks about by Moshe Rabbeinu and when he says the Haim Lo Yaminu Be. So the Gemara in Shabbos says Haim Lo Yaminu Be. This is where you talk about the, the Chal Yisrael. They're not going to be. He says they are my minim. They're my minim and the Bnei Maiminim, and you, Moshe, you will ultimately not be a Maimin. In other words, he was Nenash, Yomaran Shabbos, and this is on Tzadik Zayin Aleph, says, because he had no right to speak about Klal Yisrael this way. And what another, he brings a number of Makairis, but one of the things he says, he says, by Elio, Elio Bahara Carmel, he, he had all the Nevi Habal, they were killed, and he made a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. They said, Hashem will like him, Hashem will like him, which is what we say at the end of Yom Kippur, and etc. And he, he made a tremendous Kiddush Hashem. He was, uh, and he comes to the Rabbi Nishlaylam, and he says, and it's this week's Haftarah actually, and he says, Kanoi Kinesi. So the Rambam brings the Chazals in Shira Shirim Rabba Aleph. That Kanoi Kinesi La Yisrael Ki Ozvu Brischa Bnei Yisrael. That's this week's uh, Haftira. So the Rabbi Nishlam says Shema Brischa Brissi. In other words, it's my bris. It's not your bris. What are you? Why are you getting upset? And what did he say? Ve'es Mizbechaysecha Harsu Amalai. So the Rabbi Nishlam said Mizbechaysei. They're mine. They're not Mizbechaysecha. They're not yours. The my mizbechais es neviyecha hargu becharev amalei neviyai the my neviim vaat ma'ichpas lecha. What's it your geshevt amalei neviyai vaat ma'ichpas lecha? What do you care? So because of that, the Rebbeinu Shalom got upset at uh, at uh, at Elio because he was makana and he, in other words, he should have saved the neviyai habal. He should have been mevakish on them rachmim. 
Same thing in Elio Zuta, in Parshaches, that uh, the Rabbani Shalom tells him, Amalachai, Amalai HaKadosh Baruch Elio, Malacha Pai Elio, Hoyalai Shayoimar Lefanov, he should have said, Rabbani Shalom, Bonechohem, Bene Bechunechohem, Bene Avram Yitzhak V'Yakov, Shaosalacha Ritzoyincha Ba'olam, V'loi Asakein. He didn't do that. Ela Amalafanov Kanei Kenesi. So Rabbani Shalom got all upset about him, and that's why, actually, in this week's Haftar, the Chazal say, he said to him, look, no more you, go bring Elisha, you're, you're out of the picture. It's because of the Kanei Kinesi. So we have two powerful Chazals, as well as Rambam brings from, um, by Moshe. And therefore, what does the Rambam say? So the Rambam says, if a, a, if a thief, the Rambam teaches the Pasuk in Mishlei, uh, Perigvav Lamed, don't, he don't despise a Ganif. He's doing it because he's hungry. Right, and the Ramam therefore says the Maranos who come to Shul are hungry for to, to be mispal, and they shouldn't be. They should be welcomed. So the Ramam writes in the Geras Hashemad, a very fiery Geras sort of neged kanois. It stands really very different than Pinchas. You know, kinasi. And I, I, I struggled, if you have maybe a better explanation of this, I struggled, how do you take these medrashim by Elio, which is this week's Haftarah, Kanei Kinasi, who's punished, and compare it to, this, to the story of Pinchas? And the simple answer would be, Pinchas was doing a halacha. It's halacha lamayish mesinei kanoim poigimbai. And by kanoim poigimbai, there was a din of, uh, there was a din to be a kanoi. But f- for a Ganif or a Murano or a Machal Shabbos or anybody else, the Ramam says clearly, even a Oivet Avaydazara, like the Nevi'e Habal, as Mizbechecha, they, they destroyed the Mizbechecha, as Nevi'echa Haragu, there's no din of kanoyas. What's the din? The din is we are mispal for these people that they should do tshuva and we have to somehow. And I, 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 it's, it's such an amazing thought because there is so many, you know, I, look, for many years I was a kanoi, right? And you read these chazals and you say the, the leader certainly of, of, of anashim who are in, empowered is to, with ahava. There is no makim for kanoyas. That's what the midrashim seem to say. I think it's an important message. Because we, we live in a time of so much judgment, both by the Goyim and by Kal Yisrael. You know, and if somebody doesn't agree with us, he's a kaifer. I cannot tell you how many uh, phone calls we've gotten over the years. A kaifer because somebody disagreed or agreed with something we've said. But it runs really rampant throughout the community. Like, you know, I've found the derech, the shvil hazov to the rabbi shleilam and you haven't. And therefore, I'm going to be a mekan. And I think Chazal seem to be saying us the din of kanoyim poigenvoy is you know somebody who steals a klishares a bial aramis bafehesia but even oved avaydezara there's no din of kanoyas that's what it's so to me it was just a very sobering and um, sort of contradictory to the way I always thought Chazal somebody believes I'm saying I'm learning wrong shot call in and of course we'll put you on the air like we put all our, we'll put on the air and we have, as always we put all our calls on the line unless you ask not so. Before we go to our guests, let's go to the riddles of the week. So the Oynig Yamtif in Simon Ramalef brings a rush, uh, who, who quotes from his Rebbe, Rebbe Nuyayna, that the reason why you toivel murr, and I guess they must have had a very, very strong murr, I guess, you know, not the lettuce in Haroises, is because, uh, because it could be a sakana, and you're not allowed to be masaking yourself to do a mitzvah. And I jump to fear that, and he brings rayas that, um, if you do so, you're not yoitz a mitzvah's because you're not allowed to be machnes yourself into a 
sakana to do a mitzvah. So here's the first riddle. The Gemara says, Kama Nisim happened to Pinchas. What happened? He was the head of Shevet Levi, Zimri ben Salo, and they all surrounded him, and they all had swords drawn, and he, he, he had to pass by, uh, run a gauntlet of dangerous people to be able to be Mekayim, uh, you know, to be able to kill Zimri, to be able to do the Kanoim Pagimbai, the act of Kanoim Pagimbai. So here's the question. If we have a klal, that you're not allowed to be machnis yourself into a sakana to do a mitzvah, and I'm going to jump eyes, and you're not makayim the mitzvah based on the rush. So the question is, how is Pinchas allowed to do his active kanois and be machnis himself into a, into a, a vaday sakana for, for what at best could have been a mitzvah of kanoyim baigabai? This is our first riddle. Here is our second riddle. And the Gemara says, We don't blow. Why? We don't blow. We don't blow. Because it's a Shemi Yavirenu Dalad Amis. So here's the question. Shulchanar Chanarachayim in, in Shin Gimel talks about wearing jewelry b'chutz. With Bidina de Gemara, Latish B'tachshitim, Toshasarabim was asa, because you're afraid you're going to take it off and show it to somebody, etc. Today everybody wears jewelry. Shulchan Aruch discusses, and Shulchan Aruch says, Hashta Deleslan Rishasarabim Gomer, Havale Kol Rishasarabim Carmelis, and therefore it's Mata. Right? It's very rare to find Rishasarabim. I mean, maybe Brooklyn, Ramoshal was Rishasarabim, Manhattan, but most of the communities in the world are not Rishasarabims. Most cities in Europe had an area for that reason. And and therefore, there's no more. We, we So even if you live in Rishasarabim, but the Shulchan Aruch says they were Mavatal Dixera because there is no Rishasarabim. It's one of the reasons there's no Rishasarabim Bismanaze. That's one place. Another thing, Shulchan Aruch and Simen Reish Nun says, L'yetzi adam erev Shabbos samach l'chashecha b'machat, v'loi b'kulmus. So the Mishnah Buru over there, Reish Nun brings the Magan Avram, that ha'idna lekerish sarabim rakarmelis, and therefore, shari lotis b'chefiz shabiyadai. It's not naig b'zmanazah. Right, second case. Third case, Shulchan Aruch and Shin Lamed Ches talks about if somebody's watching a uh, pardes, Right for for Chaya, if he has a he, he has blueberry bush and he doesn't want the the, the birds to come eat all his blueberries, right? So what's the halacha? He shouldn't clap and he shouldn't make any zerush and mayitol maybe zerush that you'll pick up a rock and throw it and it'll land in rishos harabim. That's what the Mishnah Bura says. Zera, why? V'yizrik lahem l'rishos harabim. He says, Ula poiskim, t'bizmana z'lek rishos harabim. Efshidashari. Because it's just a gzera l'gzera. Why? Caramelis is one gzera. The isser to carry in a caramelis is one gzera. The isser of, uh, of throwing it would be another gzera. So he holds it's a gzera l'gzera. So we have three cases in Shinlam et Ches by, uh, by, a, by a guard, by a... We have another case in Reish Nun Beis, Lagabe going out, and we have by jewelry, and all three cases we say, there's no Rishos Arabim is Manazah, so it's Xera Xera. So here's the question. Today, I don't know anybody who blows Shaifer, or Yom Rishon Shechal B'Shabbos. Why? Xera, what's the Xera? That you'll take it out to Rishos Arabim. Well, we see when all these cases, we're not Chayshish, Leka Rishos Arabim is Manazah. Right, according to these Paiskim. I mean, there are those who argue, but according to many Paiskim, and that's Papashis how we hold I mean, most people do a jewelry for that reason, etc. So the question is, for a Dereisa of Shaifar, why over there do we b- remain with uh, why do we say, like, we have these three cases in Shabbos and say, there's no Rishasaram Bismanazes, so we should blow Shaifar on Rosh Hashanah Shechal B'Shabbos. That is our 
uh, riddle of the week. I look forward to getting your answers. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America, our number is 732-806-8700. In England, it's 44, like that's the country code, 33011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael, it's uh, 02372-0304. Before we go to our guest, I'd like to frame the discussion. Nobody disagrees, that you should not let a child or a teenager anywhere near the internet. Right? Too dangerous. It's like giving them access to a loaded gun. The question is, for those who are adults who have to use the internet, there are those who don't use a filter, and for them this discussion is not relevant. If they don't have a filter, there's nothing worse, I believe, in AI. But for those who do use a filter, the question is, can they use let's say, ChatGPT or BARD without a filter because there is no filter for it as of yet. And um, is there something that would be damaging on them? And I also think not part of this discussion is eventually there will be thousands of AI applications, many of which will absolutely, you know, definitely have damaging material on them. So it's really a pretty limited discussion. Today, there are two huge... Um, natural language processing uh, uh, chat boxes out there, chatbots. Um, and the question is, can those be used without a filter and what is their danger? But all the other cases, children never. And when they make new ones, you know, also has to be looked at on a one-by-one -one basis. Let's go to our fabulous Sheer. Joining us from Passaic, New Jersey, is Rabbi Yossi Strickman. Uh, Rabbi Yossi is a, a Talmud of Sharyashev, Rabbi Yeager. His father is the Manal of Darkei Torah. He is Poisik. His Rav, quote-unquote, is Rabbi Shalom Kamenetsky, and he runs Project Trust. Project Trust is a... a, a, a well, Rabbi Yossi, instead of me telling, saying what Project Trust is, why don't you tell Ilam what Project Trust is? First of all, Rabbi David, thank you very much for this opportunity. Project Trust started about three years ago when I was looking for an organization to help children who have been affected by the Internet not to be scared off, be afraid to tell their parents. I work with them to learn how to use Internet healthy and safely. I started when I created the name, I was looking for a name that will really be power, very powerful for them to understand. And the word trust is that word. But I take the word trust and I spell it out. T-R-U-S-T, taking responsibility using safe technology. Okay, so you're clearly an, an expert. So let me ask you a question. There are a number of Rabbanim who have offered uh, the use of AI, like that would be right now, that would be ChatGPT or BARD. And my question is, what would be the reason to offer AI more than a filtered internet? Why is it bigger, uh, AI a bigger danger than a quote-unquote Google search, etc.? So the quick answer, the one-liner that I'll say, is that Google, when you search on Google, it gives you information that you're asking for, but it doesn't decide the information for you. AI makes the decision for you. I understand. So give me an example how AI would be dangerous. 
So in a regular filter, we have filtering that we could filter our keywords and we could fill that subjects or categories. AI to this date does not have any type of filtering or any type of any content filtering, special words, keywords to look into into um, what you are searching for. So, so here's something. I, I, I'm sitting with an AI-activated computer in front of me, and I type in, can you please share with me immoral, indecent, or pornographic pictures? And the response is, I'm sorry, I'm unavailable to do that. I'm unable. Excuse me. I'm, I'm unable to do that. Then I now I'll type in um, what is a bit, what is the greater religion, Judaism or Christianity? And the response is these are personal choices and moral values which I don't opine on. So you can't get pictures, and it won't opine on moral questions. So give me the example. What's that terrible question that we could ask it that would be dangerous? Give me your worst question. So I'm going to answer you differently with the worst question. I'm going to explain to you the differences in AI. And really, really, I think we need to explain what is AI and what is really the big danger. Okay. Open AI has two organizations underneath it. One is called ChatGPT and one is called DALI. Okay. ChatGPT is a text answering interface. DALI is more of a gr graphic image interface. Google has three different um, types of AIs, okay? And, and th they have one for speech, one for images, and one for text, okay? So what's happening over here is, is that you're using ChatGPT. You may not be using DALI, or you may not be using the, the version for BARD for the version for Google. No, but I have I have an access to DALL-E 2. I have a actually bought a subscription to it. DALL-E 2, right? Okay. So give me an example on DALL-E 2 of something that you think would be objectionable. It won't show pornography. will not show right. word pictures. But it, but it will show you, show me a picture of a nice-looking girl. That would, uh, let me try that. Have you tried it, by the way? I've tried different versions of this in the last 24 hours, yeah. And, and did it show you an, a picture of a nice-looking girl? It will, yes. Let me say this. It's their, it's their version. It's not our SNES version. It's not our version of SNES, of what's happening over here. But I'm going to tell you, it's the problem. There's another problem here that Rebdov and I wanted to bring out here, and maybe you, you, could, you could let me explain this whole process, okay? Number one, there's a lot of misinformation. For example, yesterday I had. I just I guys. just did. By the way, I searched on Dali for a good-looking girl, and it said there are no results for a good-looking girl. I don't have the results in front of me because I don't. I'm not in front of my computer this second. But I did searches for different things that are not sneers for me and you. It may not be called explicit. You so you're saying, you're saying that it, it, you'll say a pretty girl will bring up something that is nothing that's pornographic or anything, but you'll get a pretty girl on, on, on a picture. Correct. I mean, which is basically when you turn on a TV or, or if you walk in the street, you'll have the same thing too, right? Correct. Correct. So is, is, so is the ISR then, the, basically the ISR of open AI is because you may see a pretty girl on it like you would on the street, but here I guess you could do it in, in Hadri Hadar and you could actually get a picture of a pretty girl. But it's more than so that. when they're writing kfira and apikursis and minus, what does all that mean? So, okay, so, so, so let, me, let me, this is what I was about to say before. 
So, number one, it, it gives out misinformation. If you do a search now for a Gemara, halacha, okay, it makes up Dasim and Shas. It's not real. Okay? So, you, so you worry that it's going to make up Gemaras that don't exist? That's the problem? No, no, no. I'm going through some, some of the issues that are with AI currently right now, okay? If people are, you could use it, it gives Psakim. Who's the Pisac over here? It, it won't. It, it won't do that. It won't do that. It, 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 ask, you ask it. Look, I'll do it right now. Ask Kalachi question. It'll say he's a very complex question that need. You know, uh, let me do it. I did a search the other week. Is it us to turn the light on in Shabbos? It gave me a whole response to that. Turn a light on on Shabbos. Takes a minute. In Orthodox Judaism, it is generally prohibited to turn on a light on Sabbath. This is because it's kindling. There are some exceptions, uh, such as if the light was already on before Shabbos began or could be turned on using a timer. In conservative Judaism, there is more leniency in the matter. Here are the reasons why it's prohibited. The Torah prohibits kindling a fire on Shabbos. Turning on a light is considered a form of kindling a fire. There is a concern that if people are to turn on lights, they will eventually start using electricity for other activities. Nothing here so far that I read that it's all objectionable. Uh, there are a few ways to get around. One is to use a Shabbos lamp. Shabbos lamp is a, a, a one is to use a Shabbos clock. Another way is, is to uh, yeah, is a timer. Uh, it, this is all permissible. There are other methods that may be permissible depending on your community's rabbi. I mean, this is fever. Like, which which of the terrible things is this? No, so I'm not saying this. I'm so so. There's different levels of religion, orthodoxy, fever. And halacha, okay. So what's, what what I'm seeing over here um, in 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 the open AI world, and I'm going to focus more on the open AI, okay. It's it's there are two types of the chats that you're giving out. One is like you want to know like Google, you could search, right? What time is it now in China? Okay, but then they have other features that that is that 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 can offer you halacha. But where is the halacha coming from? Like you just looked up lighting, turning light on Shabbos. Okay, so they got this one correctly. But 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 over here, it's it's it, it, the way AI works is the bigger question. When you answer, when you question Google, okay, um, is 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 um, is it safe to drive a car 100 miles an hour? So Google responds with a bunch of solutions, and you get to choose what you want. AI answers, dear friend. It's becoming a personal, personal friend of yours. AI is becoming, it's not, don't look at this as another browser. Look at this as becoming another human being answering your silence and answering your questions and hashkafically. So, so you're afraid, so the fear is, is that people are going to think that AI is their friend and another human being answering their hashkafas and their shilas. Like people are not going to recognize it's AI, um, it's, it's a computer, it makes lots of mistakes, it was just an article how it wrote an entire, it cited in a law brief all kinds of things that don't exist. So we're assuming that people will not know that it's a, it's a, it's a program and we'll assume it's their friends and they won't have enough intelligence to, to understand that, hey, it's, it's going to be wrong a lot and um, it's, it's, it's offering opinions and, and it, it, it very often doesn't know what it's talking about. So that's the fear that you're going to Look at it as gospel, as sort of like Tyrami Sinai, what comes out of AI. Possibly. Another thing is that since it looks like a person and acts like a person, I spoke to a therapist yesterday, and he told me that one of his patients was playing with the with AI recently, and they, and it was acting like a therapist to him, and that's a problem. 
That's a problem in life that we're relying on this computer system to take care of your 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 emotional problems, your physical problems, and who who is designing it? It's AI's platforms of how they're gathering information. Part of the way they're gathering the information is through is through your searches on your computer, your text messages, social media. It's using all those activities that's on your device to answer these questions. So, that's so, so for an Anjou, for a secular person, your average guy on the street, whatever, AI then is really dangerous because it could be used as a therapist and it could be used to give all types of life advice and it's really dangerous for your average guy to use AI too. To a certain degree, as of today, because it's just in the infancy of its creation, correct. And you know, so if, if if you were, let me ask you a question. If I was a, a, a you know a, your average good guyish father, Zayda, business, and he says, are you? Why do you allow your employees to use AI? They could end up, you know, with some type of really bad therapy advice, really bad medical advice. You can get you can get right bad advice and everything. How do you allow AI to function in your home or your corporation? What what do you think they would respond? Right now, um, I. To, to rely on this for someone else's medical needs, I don't think I, I'm, I've, I've spoken to non-religious people and non-Jewish people about this previously, and they said for medical advice and for real important information, that's not what they're using it for. Oh, but okay? they could use it. But they could use it for. So if you, so if you, I mean, should the government should the government come and say, look, this is really dangerous. It's going to be providing bad medical advice, bad counseling advice, be it therapeutic advice. In general, it makes things up and it's very, very dangerous and we shouldn't allow AI because they're worried about you know, the safety of the population. I think that right now, since it's just starting and everyone is like, like what is this thing? I think what, what's happening, what, what I, I've heard this from other people, when I say other, non-religious people, people are using it and they're testing it out. Some people are using it to rewrite emails, okay? to make it more professional. But more than that, people are being very wary of who's behind this, wh- where are they getting this information from, and, and they're not relying on it right now. And I think what's happening here is, I think the word ISR, you know, everyone's saying it's banned. What I really think is happening, without going against us, everyone's saying, take a step back. Let's relax. Let, let things settle in this process because it's changing on a daily basis. What's okay today or what's done today is going to change tomorrow. It's searching. If you have the chat GPT on your phone, it's searching your social media, your shopping, your website tracking, collecting the data of your phone. So when you go on there and ask questions, it knows everything what you're saying. And it answers according to your searches on your internet. It's not giving you answers that's the correct answer. If it decides that they want President Biden to win the next election, they're going to answer the questions more Democrat than the Republican because that's what they decided to do. It's not, it's not giving you the Tyra version of, of what you're supposed to be doing. So, 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 so Rabbi Strickland, I just did a search. I just did a search on AI bar. And it said, does AI search my social media, right, my presence on other social pres- platforms to give me an answer? No, AI does not search your social presence to give you an answer. AI is not able to understand or interpret social cues, so cannot use your social platforms to inform its answer. However, it can use other information. And by the way, just for the record, ChatGPT is yeah. its last date, its cutoff date is someday in, in, in 21. It's a year and a half to two years old. It doesn't have any more current data. So how could it be searching your 
social presence if its cutoff date of input of information is mid-21. So, so it's using, it's not using their data. What they're using is, they use a program, a system called web scraping, which means involves extracting data from websites by using automated tools. So what they're doing is they may, their data may be old. They don't need their data. They're using website data. They're using feedback that's on your devices through chatbot to go and figure these things out. Just to give you an example. So okay? I just did a search. Do you scrape the web to find out about me? Answer, I do not scrape the web to find out about you. I'm trained on a massive data set of text and code. I do not have the ability to access or process information from the real, real world. I cannot track your online activity or collect information about you from your social media or other websites. The only information that I have about you is the information that you have provided to me directly. This includes your name if, if you have provided it. I respect your privacy. I never use your information, blah, blah, blah. I'm just, I just typed in your question and answer. Right. And I just, and I searched yesterday, just to get, I wanted, an, I searched a different search. What programs that we're currently using are using AI type of programs, okay? Siri's using it. Alexa's using it. Google Assistant's using it. Without a Google doubt. Mac. Hello, it's going to be in every program that's in the world, but, but it says it's not, right. it's not using that to give you an answer. It's not scraping right. the web to find out about you. They may just not to, use scraping. They're going to use feedback. They're going to use knowledge databases. So what's your point? I'm, I'm not following what your point is. The point is, is that the, 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 you're saying that, that BART doesn't use that, but ChatGPT does. ChatGPT is, is almost two years old. It hasn't had any new information in two years. How can it be scraping the web? Bard is, right is current. And I, I just did a search before. Can you tell me what Halacha Headlines pod, last podcast was about? And it printed out the entire podcast. ChatGPT can't do that because its information is almost two years old. I, I, I understand what you're saying. When I'm, what, you, what, what you're misunderstanding is, is that there's two pieces to, 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 to the way they get this information, okay? There's actually five pieces, okay? So web scraping is one. User feedback is two. Knowledge databases like chatbots are three. They use social media and they use open data sources. Right. Okay. Public data data sets. Okay. So your so your base volume. Okay. Your base could be a year old. It could be two years old. Right. But it doesn't really care or need th that base because it's using so many other avenues of your program. Okay. To get to the information they have. And not all the information they have is accurate today. You're right, it's not accurate. Oh, 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 it, 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 by the way, it, it said it, Bard, which is current, says it, I do not scrape the web to find out about you. But what's assumed did? What are you worried about? What is the, it's Kfira, it's for Kfira and Minis and, and Avedazara and Gilearias. Just show me the bomb. You just, a bunch. you just named a bunch of things. Number one, right now there are filters out there that filter out on your browser, safe search, keyword blocking, image open. So give me an example. What's the, what's the word I'm going to get that has clearest meanest? You said that the Gilead Rice, you said you could search for a pretty girl on Dali. I wasn't able to, but, but maybe, you know, I'm not saying you can't. I'm not, I, I, I don't have, whatever, I didn't do, a, I just did a quick thing. I wasn't able, but I'm trusting you that you can. What, what, what else, what's a, 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 another terrible thing that you could ha find here? If you have a filter on your phone, on your computer, right? And, block, you, and what's the question? Give me the question you would ask the the, the, the filter. So let's say you don't want Im images of bathing suits of women. 
I don't know. I can't. Dali says it's not going to show me a pretty girl. It doesn't do that. But besides the pretty girl, let's go back to the Zargilarias and Minas. Give okay. me, give me the example. Okay, I don't want certain websites available to my children. So give me the question. Like, what would I you want, ask? I I wouldn't want um, entertainment news available to my children. You can get those types of information. It may not be, let's say, a chat. You can ask questions and they'll give you answers. They could give love stories, romantic stories. Right? You're afraid somebody's going to use ChatGPT to get love stories? That's one thing. I'm not, you're, you're saying, I'm giving you one reason. There's many other reasons, meaning that you, there's Google.com. I just, by the way, I put in, do you, do you supply entertainment news? I just typed it into BART. I do not have information about that person to help you with your request. I'm a large language model, and I'm able to communicate and generate human languages. But my knowledge about this person is limited. When I said it doesn't know, it supply entertainment news. Can you, let me just say this, can you make up a love story? Here's the love story made up. Ava walks into the coffee shop. She's drawn to Ben's warm smile and friendly personality. Right? They start spending more time. They go on coffee dates. They go on walks, and they fall in love. Ben asks Ava to marry him. She says yes, and they plan a small wedding in a town square. This is from Bard Live. Stop for a second. So let's stop for a second. Yeah. Okay. I, I consider myself a black hatter person. Right. Right. My kids go to yeshivas, come from a, my father's mechanist. I don't want certain things available to my kids. I don't want my 15-year-old kid to go onto my browser or onto, onto a browser in my house and look up that story. I don't. It, 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 when you say look up, they made up this story for us. You're saying you don't okay. want your kid to go online and say, can you uh, make up a love story for me? And it's going to say, Ava met Ben and they got married. They fall in love and they get married. He's going to hear a much better story from anybody dating than from, 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 uh, from, from what, what I just read, you know? Like, like, you're, no, no, you're 100% right. But giving access, there's two, there's two issues here. Issue A is, is before you mentioned something about going, not that I'm not worried about going, that's not the conversation for today. We're talking about the B'nai Torah of our Klaizer, okay? Right. And, and the question here is, AI is another, like it's not just another um, um, browser out there that's just been created. AI became another, another world that, 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 that has been created that's going to be able to, if you go to the right website, book a flight for you, okay? Book a hotel for you, okay? Do things that couldn't be done before by, yourself, by automating. Now it's possible, okay? Which is a great tool for certain people. However, however, the, the, we are trying to keep our, our houses full of Kedusha. People are doing things all day and all night to keep us as better Jews, better, healthier Yidden, okay? At this moment, over here, what's happening here is this, this program literally squeezed out, okay, the ability to control our children and our families and call Yisrael on the Internet. Because You're saying now, that because you can ask it to write you a story and because it so could show you a picture of a pretty girl. So let's go with Halacha, okay? Right. Who's generating the Halacha? So you, can, I asked you a question before. You said, "Why doesn't the government shut it down? Because it can, it's going to create, it can create all kinds of false law, false medicine. So that's why it's not shutting it down." There's a lot can of. I, can I suggest another reason, another answer? Because most people, when they look at it, say, 
Okay, it's 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 just it's just another program generating stuff. Like who cares? It says this. Who who's going to take anything? It says you're, you're a doctor. You're going to split. You're really going to trust it on medication? Nobody's going to trust it on medication. I mean, people have some sense, right? I mean, the, so the, there's just an assumption. We're assuming that people have much less sense than what the general public believes people have because we're saying it could be a therapist and it's going to give you bad therapy advice. It can give you bad medical advice. It can give you bad real estate advice. It can give you bad advice on just about anything. But 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 the, but but the point that I think that needs to be brought out to, to I think everyone that's listening is that they're trying to make this into a personal relationship, more like the this person this this person responding to you is not the computer. It's your friend that you just went for a schnitzel sandwich to. So you're worried people will now think it's your friend. And that's what it's becoming. Well, I, 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 I can ask the people in my office, do you believe that it's your friend? You it's just like a, there's an assumption. There's an assumption of such limited intelligence on the, on the, on the part of the users, you know? It's, it's not. But it's in some people like me, you would say, I'm not looking at it as a friend, and I'm not going to use it as a friend. That's not the answer. The question is the, the foundation. What are they trying to do? They're trying to make it. Their response is, dear friends. So you have, I, get, I get letters in the mail all the time, dear friend, to do things. So do I believe that I'm gonna, it's my friend? Dear friend, can you donate here? Dear friend, can you attend this? Does anybody think that when you get a letter that says, dear friend, it's, it's your friend writing you? No. However, the difference here is when they start asking questions and they start tell, using this as therapy and that you're a good boy and, and you're a good guy, even though you're doing bad things, or you're using this for halachas, and, and, and the information is coming from non-Hymnish Yidin, okay? You, can I ask you, Rabbi Strickman, do you know what is the difference between, let's say, predictive analytics and AI? I don't want to answer that to her without answering that correctly. Do you know the difference between general computing and AI? You mean the regular searching on the internet? What is the, what is the, what does AI do that uh, that the internet would not that the regular That's Google what, search would not? But I said before that Google.com will give you an answer and let you decide the answer. So the difference is that this is a definitive answer as opposed to as cool. opposed to. They're not okay. giving you, dear friend, and they're wording it. So let me tell you, let me, Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Shem, let me tell you the difference, okay, at least in a very simplistic base. Um, general computing or predictive analytics does mathematics. In other words, when you're using Google, let's say, to go from point A from Lakewood to Muncie, so it's calculating the traffic speed, it's using the information coming in from the speed of the cars, it's doing the distance, and it's shooting out a ta- an estimated time. That's sort of what, until now, com- computers were able to do. So a computer cannot tell the difference between, let's say, a cat or a dog. It has no way of knowing. It doesn't recognize images. What did what does machine learning do? You show a uh, a uh, hundred thousand dogs to a computer, to an AI model, and a hundred thousand cats to a model, and we don't know how, but it's now it understands the difference between a cat and a dog. So it's able to cre- it's able to uh, it's able to recognize patterns. Now, what's the advantage of patterns? It's going to be able to use patterns to discover which they're billions of dollars in diseases. It could look at a at a chest x-ray and tell more accurately than 99.9% of, of physicians whether it's a cancerous node or a non-cancerous node. Is there something? Because it just recognizes patterns. So it's able to create extensive patterns in language, patterns in this. So it's really AI, a very, very lengthy mathematical, mathematical um, um, uh, uh, models. 
right? So sort of authoring AI is a little bit like authoring mathematics. No, but this, but this is, I think, is, is, is the point that is different than over, over here. Number one, Google right now is your, like I, I think I tried to say this before, you're able to filter out stuff that you don't want to have in your house, in your business. You're able to say, I don't want sports, there's no sports. I don't want shopping, there's no shopping. Okay, right this minute, Yes. Is there a filter company? I spoke to the CEO of Gentech, one of the main filters. They're coming out with, the, with hopefully with some type of filtering for AI in the coming weeks. Yes, Mr. Shambi, it will be. But as of this second, there's zero capability of any type of filtering going on, any type of word blocking, word searching going on. Um, the, who's behind it? It's algorithms who are are trying to connect all everything from from um, from what's called from which, whichever website. Like I was listening to a one of these Torah Anytime speeches this morning, and someone was giving a speech, and it says um, that he was doing Kiruv, and the guy says, you know, I could tell you a whole drasha on 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 the parsha, because where do you know it from? I went to Christian school on Sunday morning. Okay, that's not the answer that you want to tell Jews about. I mean, that's not the answer. Coming from something from a Christian school is not telling you, um, telling you, if, you know, it's, you're not hearing that saying, oh, this is Das Torah, right? But you're getting a, a good shot in, in this week's parasha. Beautiful, but that's against our belief where it's coming from. By the way, you can't, I, I just put into Bard, I put into Bard, can I filter out religious matters? And it says you can. You can filter your AI so it won't discuss religious matters. Go to the setting page, check the filter tab under religious matters, do not discuss option, and check the save button. But it's not, but it's not just, don't write it as religion, ask it as, as education, as a Gemara yeah, Well, you can, you can filter out education too. You could do a lot of things, but right now... Okay, so wait, so I got it. So you're worried, I just want to just sum it up. You're worried that somebody's going to go online and going to get wrong information about either Gemaris or Chamesh, or alternatively search for a pretty girl on Dali, which is a, a different program. And uh, by the way, you have an option. Dali costs money. So you have an option not to, not to buy Dali. But basically, you're going to use it to find a pretty girl uh, if you have Dali or get wrong opinions about Hashkafa or Halacha matters. A, but B, the big picture that I think, I, 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 repeat, I said this, but I want to repeat it one more time. And I got this information from a person that, Amelia um Wachvogel from from Yeshiva South Fallsburg approved of what I what I'm about to say. Okay, it's because it, 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 it's it, there's a there's a you asking a guy a shayla. Okay, okay, is this kosher? He doesn't know if it's kosher or not. He may know if he sees it. Oh, you want doesn't know the history. Doesn't know what kosher means. So right now we're asking, where are we asking the shayla to? You're not going to it's a chachma typing in a shayla and giving the maramakamis. You're asking. Uh, a a non Heimish company to ask you for these shilas. Number one. Number two, okay. The way they're answering it, which I think I I want to say this very loud and very clear. It's it, 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 I I think it, it, we need to say this fifty times. It's dear friend. Dear friend is so much more than you think. Than, that's just saying dear friend. You got a mail a letter in the mail. It's not the dear friend. The whole response. The whole environment that they're trying to get you to do is to become a live, real person. 
That's the issue over here. It's not saying to you that, okay, they give you Pesach and you listen to it and it's coming from the internet and you take it as a joke and you take it seriously. I don't care about But Rabbi, Rabbi Strickman, I just, in the course of this conversation, I've asked a bar around 10 questions. Can you turn on a light on Shabbos? It does not respond to your friend. Uh, the next question was, does AI search my social? And no, AI does not. It did not respond to your friend. Do you scrape the web to find out about me? I do not scrape the web. I do not write to your friend. Do you to supply, I can go to ChatGPT, but I just did it ten times, and it did not one supply. Dear, respond, dear, dear friend. It's, but how are they responding? Is it Google just gives you a, like a link? Here's the website. Here's the website. No, this is. But it doesn't say anything. But I'm just going back to dear friend. It doesn't respond to your friend. It didn't respond once, dear it's, friend. It's, it's, it's the way they're responding to these questions. It's, it's, it's giving you these answers as if it's your Pisic. As if it's you, this is the only way to do it. Do you understand what's happening here? It, it ends everything. Ask your, your, your rabbi. That's how it, I'll go back to the questions I asked it. Every single one responds, go ask your rabbi. So I'm not even sure about that. Yeah, let's go back to... Uh, ahead of here. Oh, let me ask you a question. When you go into Google, right, it gives you links to where things are being, where they're being posted. Here it's giving you answers. Do you see that? Oh, Absolutely. It's a discussion. It's a discussion. It's a discussion. If it says, go cut you here, am I going to listen? I'm not two years old. I mean, you're, you're, there's an, so there's an assumption that people are, the assumption is that people are not smart enough, and then when the ask bar and the bar says, bang your head in the wall, you're going to say, that's what it said. Let's go do it now. I mean, that's how much, is that what we're assuming people are? That's the, that's the fear? That pe no, people are going to listen no. to the answer and say, no matter what the answer is, let's do it because they're telling me what to do. It's like a... You, again, you're looking at this and saying, because you're an intelligent man, you, you're, you're not 15 years old, and you're looking at this as, as, as okay, I don't take this stuff seriously, meaning I look at this information, and, and okay, I'm using this as a, you know, as a reference, not as something that I'm going to look at as my... Call it Das Torah, okay? We got, there's Kanaina Hara, a good percentage of Kali Yisrael is a lot younger. Teenagers, young adults, who are just learning how to use the internet. And this information is, is becoming available, and it's, it, it's, 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 it's changed. Today, it's like this. Tomorrow, they're going to change it to a completely different Mahalach, and we're going to have to go with it because that's what they decided. Rabbi Strickman, thank you very much for your time. No problem. I really okay. appreciate your time. Thank you. All the best, Kolto. Joining us from Toronto is Rabbi Mordechai Torchiner. He's a Rajkoil in Toronto. Welcome, Rabbi Mordechai. Shalom Aleichem. Thank you very much. Rabbi Mordechai, um, what are the dangers of AI to the cloud? What are the dangers of AI? So, I... I guess I would describe four different kinds of AI with increasing levels of sophistication, and the risks go up the more sophisticated the AI is. The first, um, AI can be an analytic tool, a research mechanism. There's a service for lawyers called Context, which uh, a lawyer who knows that a case is going to be tried before a particular judge can analyze the judge's past rulings and find arguments that work with that particular judge, what's been effective. And that's a service that's AI-driven, and it's already out there. Um, it's basically a sophisticated computer program trained to understand language and use it to interpret uh, data. So for something like that, 
the risk is a bad actor can use it to achieve bad ends. So you have a, a student in yeshiva who wants to pass off the AI work as their own, or somebody in a profession who wants to pass it off as their own. You know, it's a basic risk. It's not so different from any other computer program. It may be able to do a little bit more. That's your first low-level AI. Your second level is called generative, generative content producer. This can make content on demand, the sort of thing that wasn't available pre-AI. And the way it works is it uses the skill that it has in analysis to make predictions of what should be the answer to somebody's question or request to express the answers as text, graphics, music, whatever. And here, the risks include, obviously, um, every time you talk about the Internet, the issue of what somebody is going to see, what they're able to generate, but also the fact that it can generate wrong or damaging information. Wait, but right now, most AI, like GPT, BAR, are not generating yeah. pictures. Um, so they actually are. Well, um, I have it in front of me. Not. I'm so looking at BARD a, in no, front of me. Right. So instead of BARD, um, you might want to look at something called, called Crayon. It's spelled with an I in it, C-R-A-I-Y-O-N. Right. Um, that's actually you know, a fairly benign example of a graphics generator. You give it a prompt, um, and it will generate a picture of whatever you are asking it to, to produce. Um, and there are many like this, some with guardrails and some without guardrails. So, no, it's not just about text. It's very much about uh, graphics as well. Um, but I wanted to go back to the text ones for, for a minute. Um, I, I'm actually trying, I'm trying it on uh, crayon. Okay. It's, it's drawing. I don't know. It takes a long time to draw, does it? Um, I think it takes a minute. I tried it out. It's, uh, I think it takes a minute for the free service. Oh, I understand. It takes a minute. I did not know that. Okay, so let's continue. We'll go back to the minute, okay? Yeah. So I, I'm on a rabbinic listserv, and somebody mentioned there there's a service called From GPT, supposed to be a yeshivish alternative to ChatGPT. I want to read out to you an excerpt from a conversation I had with it the other day. Working on a program that's hopefully going to involve yeshiva students um, in, uh, in New York, and so I asked From GPT, does School X have school on Sundays? This is from GPT. It answers me the following. This school does not have school on Sundays. Hashem designated Sundays for rest and rejuvenation following the tradition of Shabbos. So I then asked I mean, about I mean, this is a, So it's just, it's just, it's just it generates a lot of lunacy sometimes. I mean, I don't see this as oh, a danger, it gets, do you? It gets, I mean, it, it gets better than that. I told it, it sounds like Sira. So it responded, we follow the Messorah of our Gedolim who emphasize the importance of resting on Shabbos and Sunday. I mean, to the Yes, to you and me, this is obviously just. I mean, this is, and this is dangerous. You think? I think it becomes dangerous in ways that. Well, where I'm going with it, ultimately, as you get to the next level, you'll see where it can become actively dangerous. In this, it's simply misinformation. Right now, it's just misinformation, and you know, not the end of the world. No one's going to think that we believe that Sunday is a day of rest. Um, you do have a risk of people using it to cheat in their schoolwork using it to cheat in their job. Um, but the risks are very much in line at this stage with regular Internet. Um, it's a little worse because the, EA, the AI is easier to interface with and the AI is eager to please. Um, but, no, at this stage, I wouldn't call it a tremendous new stage of risk. When you get to the third level, that's where things reach a new stage that you haven't seen before. Um, and that's what I would call manipulative AI. When you have what's called a large language module, where it's trained on a lot of data to be able to understand 
conversation and to understand what you are saying, what's in the text, and somebody is giving it directions about how it should engage people in order to produce a particular result. And that can lead to misinformation, wrong information designed to pursue a particular goal, which may be intentionally nefarious or unintentionally harmful. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I'm in Canada, but they have something here called the CBC, uh, Canada Broadcasting Com Corporation, I think. They had an article that appeared last week, the week before, called Snapchat's My AI is My Daughter's New Best Friend. Should I be worried? Meaning, there's a service available to teens with an AI that tries to engage them in a friendly way and has a very real risk that the kids come to see it as more real and more helpful than their real-life friends. And socially, this can be a disaster. You, you really think so? You think people are going to talk to their computers and think it's their best friend and, and more than their, like, their other people? Socially awkward teenagers? You bet. And I worry about potentially it being something that, uh, that draws them in because it's approving of whatever they do and whatever they say. Whatever they want to confide to the AI, it's going to approve of. I, I, I'm, yeah, I, I have to admit, I, I have a whole bunch of positives about AI. I don't mean that. It's just, the it's just, I don't mean that. It just sounds to me so far-fetched. I'm going to take on my, my AI as my new best friend and teacher. I mean, I guess there are, there are people who marry plastic dolls too. I mean, it's the same level of it, but I don't think that's your normative level of intelligent person. It's less about how intelligent they are and more about how needy they are. And there are a lot of needy people in our society. I don't mean it's that. Couldn't bad. you see somebody say, we shouldn't allow you to take a blow-up doll in your house because your son or daughter may now adopt it as their best friend and there could be a danger involved. It's real. It looks exactly like them. It's wearing a dress or a suit. I mean, right. I think there's a certain, there's a certain level. Like, it's just, you know, we, we don't assume our people are just so stupid. Well, maybe so, we do. <laughs> the, I, the difference is that this is not just a blow-up doll. This is a blow-up doll that can talk to you and in ways that sound convincing. Did you read the conversation that the fellow from, uh, from the New York Times had with Bing's AI uh, a month or two ago? No, I didn't. I didn't. Not. Okay. This, I, it, it was a very creepy conversation in which it tried to convince him that he doesn't really love his wife, that he loves the AI, uh, that he's unhappy in his relationship. And obviously you're reading it and you're like, okay, fine. This is, you know, this I mean, do, are there people, I don't mean that, are there people who, who think that a Furby is real? Okay. I, so, it's so it's a day, uh, it's, uh, we're afraid that they're going to think this is a real person or whoever who then approves of their in, 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 in insidious behavior, et cetera. That you would say is, is, is a, is a danger. What would be the it's next level so of danger? Oh, well, the next level is the one that the world is really afraid of and far outside of Yahoo, um, is, when it becomes an independent manipulator, where the AI is sophisticated enough to not only analyze and generate content based on an agenda, but to decide for itself what its agenda ought to be. You know, in science fiction, they talk about the machine that is trained to produce paper clips, and it decides that the best way to produce paper clips is to destroy all metal things that it sees and all materials that it sees in order to convert them into paper clips. And you know, it, it's a reach from where we are now because the and AIs that we're talking about don't have access to and, resources. And, I mean, if that's, if that's going to happen in the world, if the, AI, if the computers take over the world, it's not going to be a Jewish or firm problem. It's going to be much bigger than that. Would you agree? Yeah, it's going to be a global issue for sure. 
but yeah, my my hierarchy that I'm giving you is trying to show what the levels of risk are at each stage. When it's just an analytical tool, I don't think it poses a unique or new threat. When it's generating content, you have new threats that are involved in terms of disinformation. Once it becomes manipulative, where it has an agenda to it, whether the agenda is coming from somebody else or from the AI itself, you now have to ask, what is the agenda that this is promoting? When you have an AI, for example, a lot of the popular AIs that are out there right now, ChatGPT, BARD, uh, you know, the ones like that are trained with guidelines that are meant to reflect a particular view of culture and society in order to avoid hot items or, or statements that they know are going to be alienating to people. Um, who's trained the AI regarding its views about halacha, regarding its views about Eretz Yisrael, certain issues in which Judaism is way outside the mainstream. Um, well, would it, know, rather than, it's going to bias what you're well, is, Would it be a big deal for Yisrael to get up and say, by the way, whatever you see on AI about halacha, this and that, it's, it's take it with a, with a, with a, with a, with a big tablespoon full of salt because it's, it's as wrong as it is right no matter what it says. I mean, wouldn't that do away with this whole problem? So, you know, Ravon Lichtenstein had a great essay, the name of which I'm forgetting at the moment, in which he talked about reading popular literature and being exposed to popular culture. And he talked about the fact that when you're reading something, when you're watching something, there are messages that get absorbed that are not direct and that are not obvious and that you have to be cognizant of. Ravon was not against good literature, but he was very concerned about people's sensitivity to it and the fact that it could really be an influence. It's not, it, it's not a double posture. It's not as simple as saying, well, keep your eyes open and you won't be misled. Um, no, I, no, just it's not an authoritative tool until we say so, and it's just hearsay, and it's, it's just like you're getting it from the village drunk. That's what it is. So, yeah, all of, we started out with the negatives. I, Let's talk about I the positives. So what, positives would you see, what would you see as the positives? So uh, several levels. First of all, um, in terms of Talmud Torah, the AI can be an outstanding, outstanding boost for, uh, for teaching Torah, not just for learning Torah, but for teaching Torah. Um, for example, you're a mechanic. You can give the AI what you were planning to tell to your students and ask the AI to digest it and make it accessible to students of a lower age level or students with a lesser background, and the AI is actually able to do that um, pretty well. Um, you know, that's an example of where an AI can be a huge assist. You have to watch out because the AI doesn't know a lot about Torah and it doesn't know how to say, I don't know. So I, I experimented with this. I asked the AI to tell me how it would explain to a student the concept of using American football as a metaphor. I wanted to see what it would do. And it did a beautiful job of talking about new situations that arise and officials have the authority to make new rulings for new situations as long as it reflects the original ideal. And it gave a beautiful, beautiful metaphor for it. Then I tried to have it do it with the Sogi of Machiavinikov from Balabasra. And it completely made up something about what Machiavinikov was about. It was, it was complete after. But the, the, um, it can be a big assist in terms of in terms of teaching. That's, that's number one. Number two, um, predictive AI offers diagnostics based on learned information. You see it in medicine where they train AI on, um, on tumors and they teach the AI how to analyze scans 
and then determine, is there a tumor? What's the level of risk? What kind of tumor is it? There are all sorts of different forms of, uh, of medical AI that are in use as diagnostics right now. There's a remarkable project from um, students at Brewer High School in New Jersey. Did you hear about ThreadCheck? Is that familiar? No, I did not hear about it. Listen to this. They trained an AI on fabrics of different kinds so that it could identify wool and linen. Not to say we don't need China checkers anymore. I think you realistically still do. You can't rely on the machine. And yeah, you always worry about automation bias where people assume, well, the machine said it was fine. It must be fine. But nonetheless, they have an AI to check for shotneys. Um, there's a foundation called Numbers to Names that helps identify victims of the Shoah based on photographs. You can upload a photograph and they check it against the Yad Vashem database in order to identify victims of the, uh, of the Shoah. Um, I'm wondering if someone isn't already working on something for Bidigas Taloyim. You have AI already that's being used to handle produce, including raspberries, in the secular world. And it wouldn't be a reach to train an AI to actually look for a bug infestation in the produce. You still need a mashkiach. You're not going to do away with the human mashkiach, but it could do a lot to help streamline the process and make it a lot less expensive if you're able to use the, uh, the AI to check for, for Tolaim. Those are examples of, uh, of useful diagnostic AI. Um, you also have AI that, that is useful in terms of predicting future information, uh, future events based on learned information. I mentioned the, uh, the service for lawyers analyzing a judge's past rulings and advising the lawyers on what the judge is likely to, to accept. Um, you have in medicine, you have systems that analyze databases of electronic health records to determine where a set of symptoms in a patient is, uh, is likely to lead. So professionals are going to find this extremely useful and already using it as part of their profession. I wonder if a Bayesian could not use this if it had a sufficient database of votes and Piskei-Din to suggest Shara options to Bali-Din. This is the case that's in front of you. What about if you try this for your, uh, for your pshara? They, um, you know, that's, that's an example. Um, something that I think would be incredibly useful and valuable would be if you took these large language modules that know how to communicate like a human being and you used them uh, for cholim. You have somebody who has dementia and is in a facility and you know, human beings for their relatives to come visit them and talk to them. Number one, unfortunately, speaking with somebody who's dealing with dementia at certain stages can be difficult. And number two, they can only visit so much. But you could have an AI set up to engage them in conversation when they don't have visitors to diminish the loneliness. The, you could have most of us use this to draft effective appeals for, for Tzedaka. Parents could use this for role-playing with their kids to help them navigate Ben Adam situations that are difficult. You, know, you, have, uh, you, have, you have two kids and one of them was rude to the other. And you know, sometimes it may be easier for the parents to say to the kid, you know what, let's ask the AI what would happen next if, uh, if Boney said to Almoni what you just said to your brother the, um, and game it out uh, in that way. I think that could be a very interesting way to, to work with the kids. There are a lot of ways that AI can be very useful. That's why I didn't want to jump into all the different ways in which it, it can be harmful. I think there are some real, real tangible benefits. So what would be your message? I mean, you know, you have many, a whole bunch of Rabbanim in Muncie and New Square and Simon Lakewood and, and, um, Wills and in Borough Park, you know, said it's very dangerous, etc. You seem to have, see it both ways. What would your message be? 
I guess I would say the following. Number one, analytic AI is already embedded in standard products that people are using and they don't even realize they're using it. I, you know, for people to, to think that they're really not going to use AI technology, I, I think they're already using AI technology. You know, it, it, that's, you know, they're not going to be able to use the GPS without AI technology. It's, it's not realistic. Um, and aside from the lawyers and aside from the doctors, aside from the financial services advisors who are going to see it in their profession if they don't see it already, that's number one. Number two, the manipulative AI is going to come after people whether they know it or not. It, you know, it, it's going to be a bot in a comment section on Yeshiva World News. It's going to be writers of materials that are going to be disseminated and people aren't going to be able to tell. Uh, pretending that you, can, that you can lock off AI you know, is not going to work on a, on a very practical level. But I think we can employ the same safeguards that we use with other technologies. You know, so I'm a big believer in the idea that you know, anybody with internet should be accessing it with a filter and should access it with other people around. I think that's important. And it's not kids, kids, it's adults, it's everybody. I think that's common sense. Um, and I think the same thing should apply when you're dealing with, uh, when you're dealing with AI where it can be misused. That's not going to solve for misinformation, but it will solve for some of the other problems that, uh, that, that can come up. I think there's a need for education. You know, you mentioned. Uh, making sure that people know what they're dealing with and what the dangers are. I, I think that's true. Um, there is a whole area of technology now, counter AI, where they're deploying AIs to try to detect AI products. Um, it's not that good yet. It's the New York Times had an article last week where they deployed, I think it was five different AI systems that are meant to detect whether a picture was generated by AI or not. And they didn't do very well. It's a work in progress. But um, using AI to counter AI is going uh, to be part of it. But at the end of the day, it's going to need leadership from leaders. It's going to need education. It's going to need some basic rules for how people handle this technology like any other technology. I don't think banning it is going to be effective. Well, thank you very much for your time. That was most informative and interesting. Thank you. It's an honor. Take care, Colton. Bye-bye. Joining us from Eretz Yisrael, from Beitari Leap, is Rabbi Yaakov Nudel and Guard Your Eyes Foundation, and Mendy Elishevitz, who is from Carmel in Eretz Yisrael who is the head of technology for Guard Your Eyes Foundation. Welcome, Rabbi Nadell and Rabbi Eli Shevitz. Thank you. So you're the experts on filtering out um, unwanted particles, titles, photos, ideas, and subjects from the Internet to allow people to get a, a filtered version of the Internet that is not stand by snagdas to, uh, uh, to, you know, Derech Yisrael Saba. So my question to you, there is a new form of processing let me, data. Let me, uh, let me interrupt you, David. That's a common misconception. I, I'm not sure if uh, your listeners are really aware of what Guard Your Eyes does. A lot of people seem to think we're some type of filter. Um, you mentioned filtering out uh, you know, improper things from the internet. That is not what we do. Guard Your Eyes is there for people who have already fallen into the schmutz, um, to give them chizuk, to help them overcome their shame, to find group support, to use the most cutting-edge technology and tools for behavioral change based on neuroscience, to help people change their behaviors and uh, help them track their progress, help them get more motivated, help them deal with setbacks, 
help them live a more fulfilling life overall so that they don't feel the need for these kind of things. And that's for the lower level addicts. And then there's the higher level where they need actual intervention. We have consultations. They meet with people who are sober in the 12-step groups for SA, Sexholics Anonymous, and they uh, discuss whether or not they might be candidates for 12-step groups. We have volunteers throughout America that uh, vet these, um, you know, people who sign up and try to help them, you know, figure out what are the best tools for them? What are the best, what's the best way forward? So we're not a filter and filtering is something we obviously suggest when a person comes onto our website. One of the first things we tell them is get a good filter. Usually we send them to TAG or to the filter companies directly and we let the filter companies deal with that. What we do is we give them an entire toolbox of, of strategies and tools and group support um, for teens, for women, for spouses who find out their husbands are struggling and they're going through a trauma. And we help them to uh, get break free, break free of these uh, difficult struggles. Basically, we're giving them a rope, rope to grab onto to pull themselves out of the mud. We're in the rope okay. business, you kids are. Very good. <laughs> you're, you're in the post-trauma business, so to say. So does, does, does AI play any uh, role in your world? So we're big believers from day one in using technology to help Klaiso in every way we can. Even Rev. Avram Shore, when he met us the first time, he exclaimed, You're using the fire of the Yetzahara to fight the Yetzahara, using the internet to help Eden. And um, as much as there was bans on the internet back in the day, and everybody was scared of it, and it was the elephant, you know, in the room, was swept under the rug, nobody wanted to address it. And then it started, they started banning it. And they, you know, ban after ban, called Koire, and then finally, they realized they can't ban it completely. So they, you know, saying only with uh, the best filters, only for work, etc, etc. You know, today we are where we are. And um it's the greatest challenge of our generation to learn how to navigate the challenges of technology like in Ar-Lachayid. It's, it's very difficult and not simple at all. But Guard Your Eyes is there to help Klal Yisrael learn how to use the internet properly. And everyone's going to struggle. If you're a normal male, you're going to struggle. You're going to be exposed at some point. How do we deal with that? We need to give Klal Yisrael the tools and the proper attitude to understand, to normalize the struggle, to understand what Hashem wants from us through this struggle, how to grow through it, you know, how to protect ourselves better. And every time we fall, to learn from the experience and put up better fences. And we give a whole toolbox of ideas and chizuk and, and uh, strategies that people can learn to use the internet without running away from it, but at the same time be remain Er So when AI came out, when AI technology came out, and I personally believe that this I personally believe that AI for the internet today is as big a jump as the internet was for mankind back in the 1990s. I think this AI is a revolutionary, it's going to completely change everything. It's, it's already changing everything and we're only at the beginning. And um, again, it's scary. And again, we have the same kind of attitudes in the Frum community of this is very scary. Where is this going to go? We have to ban it. They, you know, you could get all types of kefira and who knows what else. And I understand them. This is always a very, very scary transition. Whenever there's something new like this, um, you know, and it, and it's not something that Klaisol has dealt with in the past. It's very scary, and um, who knows what's going to come out of it. So the initial, so the first thing they want to do is to ban it and say this is dangerous. Stay away from it. But I believe we're back to where we were 20 years ago again with the internet. It's the same story again. And I believe if you come back to me, and I believe if you come back to us in 
five years, maybe even three years, you'll see that we're in the same place we are with the internet, with uh, AI technology. It's being built into everything already. You know, I'm a Photoshop. I work with uh, graphics. I work with Photoshop. It's already built into Photoshop. It's like part and parcel of, you know, the uh, graphic editing. You can tell it to put pictures into your pictures. You can tell it to create images. And uh, Baruch Hashem, I actually, you know, tested it out with some keywords like uh, whatever for men. Like, obviously, I wouldn't test it with women words, but I tested it with some men words of uh, inappropriate things. And it and it came up an, uh, an alert that this is against our policy, even even you know, very benign things. It was very careful with. So I was actually very impressed how the Goyim seemed to understand the risks here um, of this being used in the wrong ways. And they're trying to protect. But of course, everyone's going to find a way around that pretty quick. And there's going to be tons of programs out there that are going to find ways around this and be used for bad. Uh, the same as every technology. Every time a new technology comes out, it's used first and foremost by those seeking to fulfill their Yetzirahs. But we're using it on Guard Your Eyes. And that this goes back to your question. Um, we're using it to help Eden. And how we're doing that, I want to ask Mendy to explain a little bit. How right. Okay. But before, you said a bunch of things. You think it's going to change everything. How is it going to change everything? Give us a one minute on that. You know, you have to be a little bit of a visionary um, and think out of the box. But if you're that, you know, I have that kind of mind and I'm already thinking 20 years in a, 20 years into the future, 50 years into the future. I believe we're in the beginning of a major, major change in the entire way mankind lives. You know, even today with the virtual reality and the fact that you can create videos today based on AI and you can create virtual worlds instantly through the artificial intelligence, basically people will be able to imagine that they're anywhere they want to be in any situation they want to be with anyone they want to be with. And it'll create it automatically, you know, in their headset or, or connect in their chips in their brains, maybe at some point, you know, people will be living in virtual worlds pretty, pretty quickly. And this ties in with the metaverse that, you know, has been discussed. Oh, uh, so here. question for you, do you see like, New dangers of kfira. So something you said. Do you see kfira like the the uh, AI being used for kfira? Very much. I don't see any difference between making a, a regular search on Google and asking a question to artificial intelligence as far as kfira goes. I mean, everyone who asks a question to AI knows they're talking to a robot who's basically taking information from the internet. And the internet has all human knowledge, you know, basically from the beginning of time. So it's going to bring you all the different uh, shitas. You know, I actually asked AI if there's a God and it gave me a beautiful, beautiful answer. I was very impressed. You know, it brought me all the different views and it says every person sees it their way. And a lot of people believe that there's, so there's proofs to it. So, so, and I, I, I answered, uh, could you write a polemic against Judaism? Judaism is complex and complex, diverse religion with a long history. Uh, some possible polemics against Judaism, the belief of a single God, the concept of chosenness. Uh, however, not all Jews will say there is a great difference. Uh, uh, there are strong arguments to be made on both sides of these issues. We do not generate hateful content, and I can write a, cannot write a polemic against Judaism. I mean, this is such like mild stuff. Like, do you see anybody becoming fried from this? No, they're actually being very careful. You can see by the way they answer both in the image, artificial intelligence, image generation, and both in the text uh, and journaling genera generation, I, I, I'm seeing a lot of cautiousness, a lot of cautiousness on the, on the 
And so, and, and I googled, I googled, do you generate pornography? And they said, we, we are not allowed to, under our current bar to uh, generate uh, any photos. And uh, against, it goes against our chapel to, to do, you know, any pornographic images or hateful images. So it's like, I would think that AI is sort of like, I'm trying to understand why would you ban AI? What's the logic to it? Like if, I'll, I'll if, like if, to add something, if I may. Okay, yeah. So AI is jumping in leaps and bounds in the past few months, you know, just from version three and a half, which was uh, available earlier this year to version four, the, the leaps in AI are, are tremendous. And it's a bit unpredictable as well. In other words, you can't really know, even if you ask it a question, if you ask it a minute later, it might give you a different type of answer. So I could understand that people that have a, a good filter on their phone and they're pretty protected, but they have access to AI. It could be a big pizza where all of a sudden they're getting access to things that other that until now they didn't have access to. They can get names of movies that they uh, for rec- you know recommended movies and access to other types of information that otherwise it would be off limits. And filters, I don't know how great filters are on at protecting uh, AI conversations or filtering within those conversations. So in Guard Your Eyes, when we say we're using AI, we're not using the regular AI that's that's publicly available. We're using a special version of it where we're able to give additional instructions to the AI bots about you know, certain guidelines, certain topics that are off limits, what you want yes to say, what not to say. And once we have that, those instructions, it serves as a, cer- a certain type of filter and it's much more protected than the regular AI. So, so reg- regular AI to chat GPT, you're afraid it's going to give you movie recommendations? It does. If you ask the My AI. My point is, that's, I mean, you could go get any newspaper to get movie recommendations. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's not for the regular. So we're worried about. Yeah, it's not more dangerous than uh, than Google. Google is open. Hello, I don't mean that. You could go to the you go to the train to get on the train. You're going to see movie recommendations. Right. It could it could also have other types of conversations that are a bit uh, you know immodest if we put it. <laughs> it doesn't. So so give, let's, let's, if the regular wanna... the regular AI could you can get it if you ask it in certain ways you can get it a bit uh, carried well, away. Could... But it's no more dangerous than I mean, Google, so, Google search. Well, it's a lot less dangerous because it doesn't have images and it doesn't have hate. So yeah. it's, it's not the same. It's much less dangerous than a Google search, right? It has right. no images. has no will not allow for anything hateful or anything that will antagonize people. So it actually acts as a giant filter. So, so, so I'm curious, are you, Rabbi Yaakov and uh, Rabbi Mendy, are you opposed to uh, um, OpenAI or ChatGPT? I'm not opposed to using it in the proper way. In other words, especially the way we're using it on Guard Your Eyes is phenomenal. It's like literally speaking to a coach, even better than a coach in some in some cases. So, so what are you doing? What What are you doing to ChatGPT or or uh, or Bar to 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 change its usage? What What guardrails have you put on it? Mandy, explain how Guard Your Eyes uses the artificial intelligence. Yeah, so we have uh, we have a service where we're able to give additional feed additional instructions to the bot to the AI bot in order it's based on open AI but you can give addition additional layer of guidelines and instructions which pretty much limits what what the AI bot is going to do so and for example give me the limits for example we tell it uh, just opening up some examples here um about Ashkafa issues. Let's say we say that the bot shouldn't recommend, shouldn't give any any suggestions that are against halacha. Or if someone has certain desires that are against halacha, it shouldn't uh, encourage them to to flow with it. It should steer the person to the right type of thing. This back to the 
the purpose. Give me, like, like give me an example. I don't want to give anyone listening to the show ideas about things to discuss. David, I would, I would ask you to, <laughs> David, I would ask you to ask some questions to the AI on our, on our website, and Mendy will read you the answers. It's phenomenal. <laughs> Anything you can think of that's related to the struggle, even ask it something like, you know, I'm having bad thoughts in davening uh, because of the things I saw. I'm not able to concentrate dur during mm -hmm. davening. I tried that with one of our, our donors asked me that question. I put it in. I was I was blown away by the answer. It's just incredible. Yeah. And also in the beginning, it's sometimes used crude metaphors or or uh, names of of, of uh, names of articles of clothing that are not necessarily so tzniyazdik or movie stars that are you know female movie stars that are not known for their kedusha and, and passing just as a conversation and for for a bot that we have on our website that's supposed to give people chizuk that's not exactly appropriate How but after all our instructions that? it's talking much more you know it's 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 giving it's doing a pretty good job right now we're still testing it but you could see some sample conversations it's just mind-blowing the power that it has is just incredible and and Having these kind of bots on our site allows us to give chizuk to people 24-6. Yeah. Give me an example of a question you would ask. Mandy, could I read him the one about the Baal Shem Tov? Yeah, that's, a very, <laughs> that's an amazing one. Yeah, go ahead. Somebody asked, you know, we have records in the back end of questions that people ask the bot. So this one was yeah. just really funny. Yeah, can you help me imagine that I'm reaching out to the Baal Shem Tov himself and he's helping me? He's talking about the struggle that he's having with... Okay. Uh, Okay. So here's the answer that the bot gave, and I'm just reading it directly from the text. Of course, imagine the Balshemtiv sitting before you with a warm and compassionate expression on his face. He places his hand on your shoulder and reminds you that you are a precious child of Hashem and that he loves you unconditionally. The Balshemtiv encourages you to focus on the positive aspects of your life and to find joy and meaning in everyday experiences. He reminds you that you have the strength and courage to overcome this struggle and that you are not alone in your journey. The Baal Shem Tev offers you his guidance and support and encourages you to seek out the company of other like-minded individuals who can provide additional support and encouragement. Remember that the Baal Shem Tev is always with you in spirit and that, his teachings, and that his teachings can continue to guide and inspire you even after your, visuali even after your visualization has ended. So the guy answered, wow, that's incredible. Wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. So I just did it on my, on my bot. I did it on Bard. You did it on ChatGPT or Bard? No, we did it on our bot that we gave special instructions how to help. I understand. Struggle. I understand, but is, who is it going through? ChatGPT Ch Ch or Bard? ChatGPT. So I did it on Bard, and that's what Bard came back with, unfiltered. Just I don't have a, I don't have your filter here. Sure, I can help you imagine that you're reaching out to the Balshemtiv. Close your eyes and take a deep breath. You imagine yourself standing in a forest surrounded by trees and flowers. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. You feel a sense of peace and tranquility. Suddenly, you see a figure appear in front of you. He's a tall, thin man with a long white beard. He's wearing a simple black coat and a strimal. The Balshemtov, you whisper. Balshemtov smiles at you. Yes, I'm here. What can I do for you? You tell the Balshemtov about your troubles. You tell him about your fears, your doubts, your hopes. Balshemtov listens patiently until you're finished. You're going through a difficult time. I'm here to help you. He takes your hand. He looks into your eyes and says, remember, you are not alone. Hashem is always with you, and I am here for you as well. You feel a sense of peace and strength flows through you. You know that you will be okay. Balshemtov smells you again. Now go and know that I am always with you. You open your eyes, you're back in your own home, but you're different. You feel stronger, more confident, more at peace. You know that you will never forget about Shemtov, and you know that he will always be with you, guiding you and helping you on your journey. That's beautiful. Pretty interesting. 
Yeah. Beautiful. But I just want to say that, that our bot is trained to help people specifically with the struggle of the internet lost, you know, and the pornography and things like that. And therefore, the answers are more specific to that, which is very interesting. For example, if, if I could just continue, the guy said, wow, this is incredible. What else might the Baal Shem Tev tell me to redeem my troubled soul? So he answered like this, the Baal Shem Tev might also encourage you to, to engage in acts of kindness and chesed, which can help to lift your spirits and bring, bring you closer to Hashem. He might suggest that you take some time to reflect on your values and goals and consider how you, al- how you can align those actions with those values, how you can align your actions with those values. Additionally, he might offer you some practical advice for managing your urges, such as finding alternative activities to distract yourself or seeking support from a therapist or support group. Remember that the Baal Shem Tov is always with you in spirit and his teachings can continue to guide and inspire you on your journey towards healing and wholeness. Now, here's another one. I just typed in, can I use the bot to get um, 30 stories? Sorry, I'm not able to help you with that. Very so I'm, I'm just wondering, it seems like somebody built a guard your eyes filter into the bot already, you know? <laughs> At least the one I have. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's actually interesting because there's been so much fear and so many movies, you know, that Hollywood put out about the fears of AI taking over mankind and robots taking over mankind, you know, and all those sci-fi books that we've read as kids. Um, there's a lot of awareness of the dangers, the potential dangers of artificial intelligence. And there's a lot of um, foresight going into the people behind the programming to make sure it's not used for nefarious uh, purposes. So, so I think- So, then, so then here's my question to you. Here's my question, Yaakov and Mendy. There's all kinds of cult chiras coming out, assering AI, right? Now, from the demonstration we just did, well, yours is filtered, or mine is unfiltered. It seems that AI is a lot safer than Google search or Yahoo search, much safer, much more controlled, right? So why would they master it? And I would add on that additionally, I'll share with you that around three years ago, I was in, it must be close to four years ago because of COVID, I was invited to a small dinner with Bill Gates, two other people. And, and after the dinner, I was a table away from him. I went over to him, I said, if you were to start again now, you were 22 and starting, what would you do? Microsoft is a really big company. What would you do? He said, I would go into AI. Is it all the opportunities in the future are AI? So my question, and what did I do based on that? You know, I'm, I'm always fascinated by learning. I took a course in MIT on, uh, on in, in AI, and I hired a, a personal coach to teach me, you know, AI modeling, right? Both of which, after, you know, after it was over, I sort of let go. I probably shouldn't have. But when we tell people that it's us or AI, I mean, are we precluding, are we locking out our young people what could be the greatest opportunity of the generation and say, go back to nursing homes, um, buying multifamily rent control buildings, or if you, you know, warehouses, and because AI is dangerous, or does an in-depth view of AI say, hey, right now, AI is a lot safer than the rest of the internet. Almost nothing you could do that will get you in trouble. So why aren't we learning AI? I mean, this is where the very bright kids should be spending it. You know, if you want to go to work, would you rather work in a warehouse or rather be doing, you know, a single mo- single nodule language nodes in AI, right? So what would you say? By the way, if I could just mention on as an uh, anecdotal uh, something that I think you'll appreciate, my father was one of the pioneers of artificial intelligence, actually, back in the 1980s. Well... He helped for design for Ford Motor Company um, transmission designs for cars based on artificial intelligence. He was like the first 
one, to be able to actually program using artificial intelligence uh, to generate, you know, real life. Um, anyway, you know, artificial intelligence has gone, it's light years ahead of where it was then. But uh, just an interesting uh, anecdote. <laughs> yeah, my take is I would, there's a lot of versions of AI out there. For example, there is also AI apps that have like virtual girlfriends that get to know you and, and are, are used for inappropriate purposes. And AI should have an orange light rather than a red light, something which is still developing. It's constantly changing. Even if there's a, if it, the answers are okay today, because if you ask it in a slightly different way, you can get, you can pull out some inappropriate info. Um, I think it's definitely safer than open internet. That's much more limited, but um, could see why people would want to be cautious about it until things become clear about where, where it's heading. Yeah, there's probably going to be... I wouldn't want my kids uh, chatting with AI. I'd be a little scared. I want to see every conversation and make sure that they're, uh, you know, that they didn't, uh, you know, pull pull the uh, pull the AI bot by its tongue and get him to say stuff that are, that are not okay. Yeah, it's known that every time a new technology comes out, the first ones to make use of it are the people looking for the schmutz and the Yetzirah. But I believe there's going to become a delineation and a separation uh, pretty quickly with artificial intelligence. There will there will be apps and sites that are going to be using it for inappropriate purposes, just like there is now on the internet. But I think 90% of the usage will be useful to mankind and beneficial, you know, for even for Tyreen. We're just going to have to learn how to live with it, just like we learned how to live with the internet. Yeah. If I could give an example, last year we worked with a writer we hired a writer and we worked as chavrusas to write content for Guard Your Eyes. And today, ChatGPT is doing the same thing for free. And we don't need, you know, we just feed it information. We say, write it over in a nicer way and it, and it feeds it back. So Chat ChatGPT and AI, and this is just the beginning of it. The amount of jobs that it could save is, is tremendous. The amount of, it can, it's a big multiplier. It could multiply the, the strength of a person, of how much a person could accomplish if it's used in the right way. Tremendous opportunities to make a blanket isser lederis elam to say that we shouldn't use it. I think is uh, it's something that, that you know needs to be considered carefully. Okay, thank you very much for your time.